following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Thank you, Denny. Uh, It is awesome to see our church start to pray over things and not just um, be complacent. Uh, I'm excited about what's going on at Community Gospel. Um, Sarah, just so thankful for you. Happy birthday, by the way, just a few days ago. Um, Sarah's heart for the gospel is, is so contagious. If you get a chance today... Please go uh, just say hi to her um, and, and ask her just how God is at work. And it's, it's fascinating. What you are doing is, is outstanding. Keep up the good work of making Christ known. Um, you're having an impact. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is in your right-hand side of your Bible. Um, Colossians chapter 1, if you can't find it, uh, you just go eat popcorn, which is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're all grouped together. This little um, section of letters from what Denny just said in his prayer of the Apostle Paul, who came to know Christ on the road to Damascus. Um, and um, it's fascinating. Uh, for some reason, Damascus doesn't sound right in my head. It's Damascus, right? Road to Damascus. You ever have that happen to you and you think like you're wrong and you start to question yourself in your mind? I'm like, I'm right. And Satan's like, no, I don't think you are. And I'm like, hey, you need to step back. I know my word. Calm down. Um, that's what happens in my mind when I'm preaching sometimes. <laughs> like uh, those, are, those are things that transpire. All right. So road to Damascus. I got that right. All right. Um, so Colossians chapter 1 is where we're at. And if you would, um, go back to the left. Keep your finger in Colossians. And what I want you to do is find uh, the book of 1 uh, Corinthians. <clears throat> so, two, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. So, it's just right to the left. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're actually going to partner two passages of Scripture today together. So, you have Galatians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29, and then you have um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in those two passages of Scripture, namely 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, you're going to see that there's something called this ministry of reconciliation. And that's important for us today as we start our study. The ministry of reconciliation is, in short, a responsibility that we have as believers in Jesus Christ to declare this gospel to other people, which Sarah is doing. And it's not the pastor's responsibility. It is all of us as parishioners with Christ at the head. It is our responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know the gospel is... In the pew in front of you, you will see there's a little white booklet. You can open it up, and it is explained for you. Essentially, the gospel is that Christ came. First Thessalonians talks about this, that Christ died, Christ rose again. He ascended, and he sits at the right hand of God, and he is interceding on our behalf right now. And that should make you say amen. <laughs> and, and so 
the ministry of reconciliation is the responsibility that we have as believers in Jesus Christ because the gospel that we have received to declare that message to other people that we come in contact with regardless of where that proximity is. Paul does this so well throughout his whole uh, ministry. And if you would, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, All of this is from God. Everything is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us, there's those words, the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody needs reconciled. There is not one person on planet earth that does not have a sin problem. We're all broken. And God, being holy and righteous, realized that in our sin we are separated from him. We're his enemies. And so on the cross, Jesus took upon himself, satisfying God's justice makes it possible for us to have peace with God through a relationship with Christ. When we confess our sins and believe upon the name of the Lord, his blood covers our sin, because the Old Testament says there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Old Testament was temporary blood. New Testament is permanent blood from a permanent, perfect sacrifice. 2 Corinthians continues, and it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and in Christ... He was not counting people's sins against them. In Christ is the wording that Paul uses in Colossians over and over and over again. You who have believed in Jesus are in Christ. You've been justified through faith by his blood. You no longer have your sins counted against you. You're reconciled or brought back into a right relationship with God. That is good news. So therefore, God has given us as believers this ministry of reconciliation. And we tell the world that they too can be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. This is our life's purpose. Through this ministry, 2 Corinthians again continues in this, in chapter 5, verse 20, we become Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Do you see yourself this morning, Community Gospel Church, September 2022, as God's ambassador through faith in Christ, giving people the opportunity to know that they can be made right with God through faith and trust in Christ. It's the best message that we can ever receive. That's exactly what Paul is so passionate about in Colossians. It's exactly what your pastor is passionate about. It's what Sarah's passionate about and John's passionate about. And you're passionate about it because I watch it in your everyday life. It's a responsibility we take seriously because it's not an individual effort. It's a team effort. We're all on the same team. We we share the gospel of Jesus Christ as a team. And Paul says, I planted and Apollos watered. And he essentially says, we work together in this ministry of reconciliation. To bring growth. So as we proclaim the gospel, we are peacemakers that God blesses in our practices. And when we live out this God-given message of reconciliation, we'll see lives changed and purpose of our life is found as others find their purpose and God ultimately will get the glory. So the goal today is to understand the purpose 
of reconciliation ministry in Colossians chapter 1, partnered with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go to verse 24. What an intro, right? All right. Now, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings. (laughs) I thought following Jesus was easy. Paul's like this master at following Christ, and here he is telling the church that he's excited the fact that he's suffering for their sake. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, when I'm suffering for your sake as parishioners, I'm not genuinely excited sometimes. I confess that today. In my flesh, Paul says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So he partners his afflictions with Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that's Christ's body, which is the church made up of people who confess their sin and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 25. Of which... The body of Christ I became a minister to according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Now notice Paul always makes sure that God gets the highest position in any sort of communication that he makes. When I proclaim to you this message to make the word of God fully known, the mystery was hidden for ages, speaking of the Old Testament, and generations, but now it has been revealed or made known to us saints. Saints being the church, people have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying in those first couple of passages, first 24 all the way to 26, is that reconciliation ministry is a God-given gift. Just like your salvation is a gift, so is the ministry that is entrusted to your care. Now, let's um, look at this passage in a little bit more detail. Paul rejoices. If you want to circle that word rejoice, really fascinating word in the New Living Translation, it is the word glad. And if you do a study on the word rejoice, it describes a little lamb skipping around. And you look out in the field and you see the little lamb who's happy to be in the green grass. That's exactly what that word means. And Paul here is a happy little lamb who is suffering. (laughs) That word suffer is present tense, meaning he has pain at the current moment. He's not talking about pain that's already transpired in his ministry or in his body, but is what's going on right now for the cause of the church. That's why it says, for your sake. Now, we would think, as we read that passage of Scripture, that Paul is unhappy, right? But he's not. He is excited because he knows when he suffers for Christ, that's his ministry. And to suffer with Christ and to suffer like Christ is to share in the sufferings of Christ, which validates his faith. So he's realizing the more problems that he has in sharing the gospel, the more he's excited because people are validating his faith even if they reject it or accept it. And he's saying it's a privilege for us for believers to do the same. In 2 Timothy, he'll tell young Timothy, it's our honor and joy to make the word of God fully known to people who do not know the word of God. So trials and tribulations, first and foremost, before we go anywhere, further, are good for us because they help us know ourselves a little bit better, but also know our Savior a little bit better. Now, let's break this down a little bit more. Second part of 
25, verse 25, and verse 26 show us two things that ministry of reconciliation does. Go back to the last part of 25. It was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. So the first thing that we see here is that the ministry of reconciliation, the God-giving gift that we have to share the gospel, makes the word of God fully known to the lost person, but also to us. You ever heard it said, it's one thing to learn something, it's another thing to teach it, right? You learn something a lot better when you start teaching it. And so here, the purpose of Paul's decree was, Let's present the word of God in all of its fullness or richness. In other words, tell your face what your heart has received. (laughs) He says, let's make the gospel clear as a God-given provision over sins that is intended for all people. Let's make the gospel clear. We have a problem sharing the gospel because we don't know the gospel. The gospel is simple. Ready for this? Christ came, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God. You confess your sins, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's it. Pastor Jordan, you sound like you've said that a few times. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I say it every Sunday. <laughs> and all believers, Paul says, are encouraged by that message to be faithful witnesses seeking to carry out God's word as it is not our words, it is God's words that perform its works in you who believe. So as you share the gospel to the people in your presence, you are making the word of God fully known to them as well as having the word made known to you. Verse 26, the hidden mystery or mystery that was hidden for all ages and generations is now revealed to his saints. So the second thing the ministry of reconciliation does in regards to being a God-given gift is it reveals a hidden mystery. You couldn't touch this, but now you can You could not have access to this, but now it is available to you. Now, Old Testament saints, Father Abraham, who had many sons, Moses, Noah, who built the ark, all of those people in our Old Testament texts would have loved to have seen the Messiah. They would have been ecstatic over this mystery that was hidden for ages that is now manifested in the presence of these people. That word mystery, if you would circle that, it essentially means truth that has never previously been known. It is truth which human intellect could not discover, but it is one that has been known or made known by divine revelation. God has chosen to divinely reveal himself through the manifestation, God Emmanuel, Jesus Christ with us. We have seen his glory and our world has been changed by The glory of God. Amen? And so, think about this. This mystery, this divine secret that was unknowable apart from the divine revelation and which has now been revealed in Christ is known or manifested to the saints of the age of the church. And we would ask ourselves, based off of what Paul says, how can you keep that message quiet? If you've been rescued and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then why are our mouths closed? I I, I don't understand this. 
We look at people all the time and, and we're like, I wanted to share the gospel, but I couldn't share the gospel. If I canceled your debt on your house, you'd put a sign with my face in your front yard. And you would say, thank you, Jordan, so much, right? That's what you would do. If you had cancer in your body and somebody came in and said, I will take that cancer out and put it in myself, you would rejoice. You would go and tell everybody. When Jesus touches people in the gospel accounts, you know what people do? They're, they're like, I'm amazed. And he goes, don't tell anybody. And they're like, what? And they immediately go tell people because they can't keep what was mysterious that has now been made known to them aware of the gospel. Now go back to that word affliction. I think this is really interesting. That word affliction is never used in the New Testament of Jesus. It's only a word that Paul uses, and it means distress or pressure or trouble, which Paul had plenty of when he preached the gospel. It refers to life trials, not pain. So what? In other words, what Paul is trying to say is, when you suffer for the gospel, God feels that suffering as well. Because they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting who? Him. So, since the church is Christ's body, Christ is affected when we're affected. And so Paul and us willingly suffer in that ministry knowing and we're disheartened when people reject Christ because they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting the gospel that we have received. When you go out this week and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people in your life and you start communicating this free gift of faith that you have received, do not be discouraged, brothers and sisters, when there's pushback, making God's word fully known to others. You are revealing a hidden mystery and hidden mysteries that are revealed are sometimes hard to understand. But where you're watering and somebody else is watering and somebody else is watering and somebody else is watering, the seeds that have been planted, maybe, just maybe, we'll see those seeds sprout. Wherever you go, the Lord goes with you. If he suffered, we suffer. And we realize here, what Paul's saying is our God-given responsibility. It is an obligation and an opportunity to declare the gospel of salvation for the lost. And we rejoice in sharing God's gift of Christ. And if you're not sharing the gift of Christ, I say this as much love as I possibly can. Shame on you. Because you're missing out on an excellent endeavor to be filled with Christ. In 2 Corinthians, like I said, we're partnering this passage. If you go before in a chapter, chapter 4, I'll put it on the screen for you. In verse 16, it says, we don't, in sharing the gospel of, our, of, of the glorious Savior, we don't lose heart. Because we know this outward bodily uh, body is wasting away. Yet inwardly, when we do these things, we're being renewed day by day by day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So let's fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is just temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's like the passage in Colossians and the passage in 2 Corinthians are really just merging together. It's like Paul has to tell different churches the same thing. Interesting, okay? Verse 27. <clears throat> to them, and we go back, who's, who's, who's them? That's the saints. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you. He is the hope 
of glory. <laughs> now, this is fascinating because reconciliation ministry, in my mind, and I'm just going to have like public time of confession here for just a second. In my mind, I, I just want to minister to certain people. You ever been that way? Like, can we all kind of jump in that same boat, right? Like, I, I'm fond of certain people and sharing the gospel with certain people. And then God looks at me and he's like, what about that guy? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about that guy later. You ever done that? You have like a perfect opportunity, and I just look at it, and I go, uh, we're going to pass on that guy. I think grace missed that guy. I think a lot of things missed that guy. But Paul wanted the believers to make known the gospel to Gentiles. And you circle that word Gentile, because what's happening here is Paul's saying, I want you to proclaim the hope of glory, which is a concept taught in Ephesians chapter 2, to these Gentiles. Let's define it. The term Gentile refers to a person who wasn't a Jew, but was specifically a pagan. In the New Testament, Jews looked at Gentiles as pagans who not only didn't know God, but God passed over. So they just say, hey, you're not as important as we are. In the New Testament, many Jews took pride in their culture and their religious heritage, and they put that over God. Right, And they considered Gentiles unclean. Matter of fact, they called them dogs. So that tells us that dogs in the New Testament were ugly. Because I don't know about you, but I've seen some dogs that I think are pretty, pretty cute. I think my dog's pretty cute, right? But I guess in the New Testament time period, dogs are ugly. <clears throat> and so Jesus speaks about the association of Gentiles with paganism on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to go there. Let me just read this to you. Verse 7, he says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. You could replace that word and say as the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I'm getting somewhere just a second. It's clear that Gentiles and pagans go hand in hand. And Gentiles here in the text and half Gentiles that were Samaritans were viewed as enemies to be shunned. They were the people that Paul is ministering to, uh, or they're the people that Paul writes to the church who's mostly Jewish and he says, don't pass over those people. Why? Because Jesus offers salvation to all people, Jew and Gentiles. In the Old Testament, let's build a bridge from Old Testament to New Testament. Isaiah said that Jesus will bring forth justice to the Gentiles, pagans. He will be a light to the Gentiles, pagans. When writing to a mostly Gentile pagan church in Rome, Paul says the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul realized that the coming of Jesus provided an opportunity for salvation to whoever would believe in Christ's name. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Remember... Now, here's why this is so important. Because what's going to happen is you're going to go out today, tomorrow, your workplace, and you're going to see a person that you desperately want to minister to, and you have shared the gospel with that person, and they have chosen to reject that gospel, and there'll be another person behind them. And you will think of yourself too highly. And what we have to do is remember the words from Ephesians 2. Remember that you 
at one time were separated from Christ. Remember at one time you were excluded from being a citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now, key word there, who? Christ. In Christ, you were once far away, but have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That blood that was shed on the cross is for that person too. Don't pass them over. For he himself is our peace. That's why we share the peace of Christ. We pass the peace of Christ. He made these two groups, Jew and Gentile, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. God has chosen to make known this mystery to New Testament saints to take the message to all people, Jew and Gentile, and his will is that we as believers in word and deed, I love that you said that, Sarah, reveal these truths, which are the riches of glory, to all people. God's special revelation was once to Jews, but now it is revealed among the Gentiles. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Those who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Those without hope and without God have been given a glorious hope. Under Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, for you are one in Jesus. Let me put this in practical terms. Maybe, just maybe, you are trying to partner with the wrong people. Maybe, just maybe, you are striving to be in a relationship with people who push back against the gospel when God wants to give you a new harvest, a new friend, a new family. This is why we look forward to sharing the hope of glory. It's encouraging. It's edifying. To know that salvation is for all, we can see other people come to know Jesus through our Christ-like words and actions. Who needs those Christ-like words and actions from you instead of your frustration over them. This is my source of conviction all week. I was thinking to myself, how many people I've passed over, and I'm like, I want to be your friend. And Jesus is like, I want you to be their friend. And I'm like, oh, I think I'll love you, right? But it's available to all people. Now Paul concludes, look at verse 28, which is really fascinating. In him, Jesus, we proclaim this warning and teaching everyone. Now, this is where the rubber really meets the road. Because I always ask God, why do I have to do this? What's, what's the benefit? Because I'm selfish. I always want to know what's in it for me. You ever get that way? Like, Jordan, um, empty the dishwasher. It's in it for me. I always want to know. Happiness and satisfaction of your wife. I don't know. In him, we have proclamation, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. That's your responsibility that we may present everyone. He says everyone three times. It's probably important. Mature in Christ. For this reason I toil, I struggle with all his energy that powerfully these things, he'll be at work within me. Third thing. The reason that God does this is because it creates spiritual maturity within you. Paul, in proclaiming Christ, he says, let's walk through this verse, verse 28. In him we proclaim means we warn, we admonish or counsel or teach or instruct everyone with the wisdom from God about the gospel that we have received. And it helps us grow in our relationship with God. Now, underline or understand warning and teaching in the second part of verse 28. 
Paul taught and instructed, and instructed people using God's word. He's a schooled Pharisee. He knows the Old Testament like the back of his hands. People believe that Paul knew five languages. And he's writing to a people who uh, kind of know one, right? And he's saying it's possible because there's so much false teaching about Christ in Colossae, Paul does this wisely since his purpose wasn't to drive them into the hands of heretics, which we'll talk about in chapter 2, but to present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. In other words, he's saying, you're looking at me expecting me to do all the heavy lifting, but you'll grow if you start to communicate and you start to talk about this gospel that you have received. It's essentially like these people are standing on the sidelines and they're watching Paul and Apollos and all these people and John. And, and, and if you go to the end, actually, of Colossians, you get this huge, long list of names. And the people in the church are like watching these people and they're like, yeah, go get them. It's like you standing here or sitting here, actually, because you're not standing and you're looking at us and you're going, yeah, go to Oktoberfest. Share the gospel. Do that. That sounds fun. I'll celebrate it next Sunday after everything's said and done. And we're like, no, you grow by participating, not putting yourself on the sidelines. It's like when people drop their kids off at Club E and they don't come to the big gathering. You raise my kid. You got to do the work in the home, my friend. To present everyone mature in Christ means Paul wasn't interested in believers remaining spiritual babies. But he wanted them to become spiritually mature and that happened when they got off the sidelines and got in the game. The goal for all believers is complete sanctification. Look at this. Paul preached the fullness of the gospel so the believers could have the fullness of life that Jesus promised. To this end, Paul expanded all of his God-given strength, developing maturity in believers, realizing that it took great work. Underline where it says struggling with all his energy. That's the same wording of like an athlete struggling in the arena. It's the exact same wording. Coming to Christ is the first step. But then the work comes in. In the ministry of reconciliation, we're all struggling with all of our energy to see people come to full maturity and to experience true life and how that life is to be lived. Our power for this struggle comes from Jesus alone. So let me, again, say this in love. But true spiritual growth and maturity happens in engagement, not on looking. It's time you get in the game. You gotta punch in. And it's not just in church world, right? Like, because I know some of you are sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, all right, I'll serve in the nursery, I guess. Right? That's not what I'm asking you to do. That's what Jessica's asking you to do. <laughs> what I'm asking you to do is based off of last week's message is to take the idols that you've placed on your heart, put Jesus on the throne, and live it out in all you think, say, and do. That would be in your family. That would be in your workplace. That would be everywhere. That you would take seriously the warning and teaching to everybody who comes in contact with you. But Jordan, they won't like me. So? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, you'll find a friend in communicating the gospel that will help you flourish for the adoration of the Lord. See, sin's bonds are broken when we're taking part, not taking notice. We're so 
adamant about, God, remove this sin. And God looks at us a lot of times, and he's like, then get moving. Because sometimes you have sin that's manifesting in your life because you have become stagnant in your life. Sometimes you have sins in your life because you're using your hands for the glory of yourself and not for the glory of God. Are you tracking with me? Like, this is kind of convicting. But I realize sometimes God looks at me and he's like, hey, let's turn off the TV, right? And let's start getting involved in something that has a spiritual wealth instead of an eternal struggle. I'll give you a practical application of this. Somebody told me the other day, they're like, I don't go to BSF because I don't have time. In the previous conversation that I overheard, they just talked about how they spent the whole weekend binge watching a season on Netflix. And I was like, I looked at them and I'm like, really? It's not that you don't have time. It's that you haven't made it a priority. It's not that you don't have time to do your devotions in the morning. You haven't made it a priority. It's not that you don't have time to share the gospel with people who you come in contact with. It's that you haven't made it a priority. It is our God-given responsibility. It is an obligation and an opportunity as believers in Christ to declare the gospel. Because first of all, it offers the opportunity for those who are far from God to come to a relationship with God. But it also edifies us. It builds us up as believers and it encourages believers around us. And it gives us assurance of the faith that we have received. So, My prayer for you, first and foremost, is that you would rejoice or take delight in the God-given gift of salvation that you have received. That you would just find this gift as like this truly life-giving thing that it is. And then you would see that it's not a burden, but it is an opportunity to become like Christ in all you think, say, and do to whoever is in your path knowing that as you proclaim the message of God at work in you, true spiritual maturity and growth would take place. That it happens in engagement and not onlooking. Our purpose, as we prepare for this blessed hope, this glory that is to come in preparation for eternity, is to present ourselves to God when we die or when he comes back again. To first of all praise him for our great salvation. We'll do that. But then we'll show him All the people that came with us because of the declaration that we made of faith. And we'll praise him for his power that was displayed in our everyday endeavors to conform to the image of Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. In him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this we toil, Paul says I, And we struggle with all of our energy because we know that is where the power lies. That is where God's power works within us. Let me pray for your opportunities this week. Heavenly Father, I would pray first and foremost for myself and the people who are gathered here. For so many of us have found ourselves frustrated when we have suffered for the gospel. And God, I pray that we would know that this ministry entrusted to our care is a blessing. And I would pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would do something amazing in this place, and that is restore unto us the joy of our salvation. That today, 
it would be like the day we got saved. The day we trusted you, the, the first day that we became a Christian. I pray that you would really make us mindful of that. For those who are here that don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you. But I know so many of us who are gathered here today know Christ. My prayer this week, God, is that you would make us aware tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, throughout the weeks and months to come and the rest of our lives, that the day we wake up is like the first day we got saved. That we're just so excited that we cannot contain the gift that has been given to us. Help people who are here to realize that they are called to minister according to that gospel that they have received. God, open our eyes to see that the people in our lives are not there to be a burden to us, but that we can be a blessing to them. Help us to make your words, the word of God, fully known to them. And when they point their fingers at us and show us our faults, that we would acknowledge them as well as proof of our sin and what we are truly saved from. Help us, God, to make known among so many the riches of your glory, the mystery which Christ has revealed to us, the hope of the glory that we have received. Help us to proclaim Christ and Christ alone with everyone. Give us these opportunities to realize that our toil and our struggle creates great maturity within us. Help us to see that our labor is never in vain when it is done for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And help us move from being infants to more mature as we continue to read and to study, as we continue to profess and to grow. This is my prayer for the church this morning, God. Now you do what you do best. Convict our hearts, teach us, train us, equip us so that we would go, not just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. It is in your name, the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, that we pray these things that God's people said. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.